0: Hello, and welcome to another podcast for U.S. History Repeated. This is Jimmy LaSalle. We have recently been covering westward expansion, and today's podcast will cover the impact of our nation's westward expansion on Native Americans. We reached out to the Northern Cheyenne Nation and spoke with Tiana Limpy, Tribal Historic Preservation Officer, and Wallace Bircham, Director of Tribal Services. We sent them some questions and received their audio responses. We are grateful for their contributions, and that section will have a Q&A format with questions by jean and answers supplied by Mr. Beertram. Speaking of Jean-Anne, here is our resident history expert to kick things off.
1: When we talk of the Transcontinental Railroad, we often discuss the positives the sheer ingenuity of the railroad lines, how it benefited the United States economically, socially, and politically. While it allowed some groups to grow and prosper, it led to the destruction of another, the Native Americans. The government had already forcibly relocated most Native American groups west of the Mississippi River. The tribes living along the Great Plains were severely impacted, by westward expansion and the building of the Transcontinental Railroad. Railroad workers hunted the buffalo. For Native Americans, the buffalo was a sacred animal. They of course ate the meat of the animal, but the hides were used to make dwellings known as teepees, clothing, and shoes. Bones were used to make weapons or even children's toys. If you go to up.com, There is a wonderful interactive map showing where the railroad went through native lands. The site also has the story of its impact on the individual tribes written by tribal members. In preparing for this episode and the previous episode, I reached out to the Cheyenne Nation. I spoke with their Tribal Historic Preservation Office and was quickly put on the phone with the woman who wrote the article that I read on that website a woman by the name of Tiana Limby, who then recommended that I speak with a man by the name of Wallace Bearcham, who agreed to send us some recordings where he talks about the impact that westward expansion and the Transcontinental Railroad had on his tribe. Life for the Cheyenne and the Plains before the building of the Transcontinental Railroad was very different. Could you talk to us a little bit about that?
2: The Cheyenne people call themselves Tatistas, which translates to the people. The Cheyenne origin stories, uh, our creation stories, uh, place the Cheyenne people near the Yellowstone, which is in present-day Montana and Wyoming, and also the Black Hills region of present-day South Dakota. From there, they moved and spread outward. From those areas. A lot of the early oral stories, oral history, talk about uh, the Cheyenne being up in the northern areas of uh, North America, present day Canada, Hudson Bay area. And then um, the earliest recorded um, written history is in the 1600s. They place the Cheyenne people near present-day Peoria, Illinois, a group of Cheyenne had visited a French fort, and they told the French that they were living along the Mississippi River, the northern part of the Mississippi River, which is in present-day Minnesota and the Wisconsin area. This area is near the Great Lakes, and we have stories of uh, our people living near lakes and large lakes and, you know, living off of uh, fish, wild rice. There was a Cheyenne man by the name of Sweet Medicine. In Cheyenne, we called him Motze'i Yov, and he was a medicine man, a spiritual person, ceremonial person, and he could foretell the future. And... Today he's known as a prophet. Uh, One of his prophecies, he told the Cheyenne people that there were people coming who were light-skinned, and they were coming from the east. And he told the Cheyenne to avoid them as much as you can. So the Cheyenne people listened to him, and they began moving westward. Also, around that same time, while they were living near the Great Lakes, they began to get pressure from other tribes, uh, the Ojibwe, the Chippewa, who had access to the British forts, uh, access to firearms. And also from the north, the Iron Confederacy, the Cree people, the Assiniboine especially, who also had access to the British forts and access to firearms. Um, were constantly The Cheyenne were constantly at war with these tribes, and uh, along with Sweet Medicine's prophecy, uh, the Cheyenne began moving westward. The Cheyenne movement westward brought them to the Cheyenne River, present-day Cheyenne River, in North Dakota and South Dakota area, and it was here along the rivers that they built earth lodges, and these were permanent houses and they began farming they practiced agriculture uh, planted corn and squash and and it was here that they lived for a generation or two and again they they were being pressured by the assiniboine people and so they continued their movement westward out into the plains and it brought them near what is now the black hills of South Dakota and also the Powder River area of uh, Wyoming and Montana. I also want to mention that the Cheyenne people are made up of two tribes, the Cheyenne people and the Sutta people, and it was years ago that they came together. Another one of uh, Sweet Medicine's prophecies to the Cheyenne was he told them they were going to find an animal had a long tail, and he described this animal, um, and today we call the animal the horse. And he told the Cheyenne, you see those mountains off in the distance, those hills, takes you days to walk, but with this animal, with this horse, you can get there in one day. And it was here in the Black Hills, Powder River region that they saw their first horse, and it was along a creek, and today they the Cheyenne named that creek Horse Creek, The Cheyenne began to utilize the horse for transportation, also for their economy, their way of life, and for warfare. In fact, the U.S. Army called the Cheyenne the best light cavalry in the world. The Cheyenne began to move southward, and there were two reasons for this. One was to acquire more horses. The southern tribes like Kiowa, Comanche, they had huge horse herds, and there were also a lot of uh, wild horses in the southern plains area. The second reason that the Cheyennes moved southward was a man named uh, William Bent, and he had uh, married a Cheyenne woman by the name of Owl Woman. And he built a fort, uh, a trading post along the Arkansas River, which is uh, in present day Colorado. And he was able to convince uh, some of our Southern bands uh, or the Cheyenne bands to, to move in that area to trade with him. The Cheyenne that continued to live in Montana, Wyoming, and the Dakotas became known as the Northern Cheyenne, while those bands that moved southward and lived in Colorado, Kansas, Oklahoma, became known as the Southern Cheyenne. As you can see, the Cheyenne lived in a large territory. The plains were home to millions of buffalo and the buffalo provided everything for the cheyenne people it was their food source Uh, various tools implements were made from different parts of the buffalo Uh, it was also their home the buffalo robes the buffalo hides were made into a teepee which the cheyenne lived in also certain parts of the buffalo were used in cheyenne ceremonies once summer arrived the cheyennes would gather together in one camp and have ceremonies whether it was the sun dance ceremony the arrow renewal ceremony or the animal dance ceremony these uh, ceremonies required all the tribe to be together once the ceremonies were over the Cheyenne bands uh, separated again, uh, war parties left to conduct warfare with enemy tribes. Um, other Cheyenne bands uh, went to hunting the buffalo to get ready for winter, while other Cheyenne bands um, participated in the trade economy. A lot of Cheyennes would um, take goods the goods from Mexico, uh, the horses from the southern tribes, and take those items to the north and trade with the northern tribes. Before winter, many of the Cheyenne bands would go to their favorite uh, winter camps. These were located in sheltered areas, usually along the river, and this is where they camped and waited for spring to arrive. So, as you can see, this was life for the Cheyenne on the plains.
1: How did continued westward expansion and the building of the Transcontinental Railroad impact the people and the culture of the Cheyenne?
2: As the uh, U.S. expanded westward, a lot of their uh, citizens began traveling through Cheyenne Territory. They began building roads through Cheyenne Territory, began building railroads through Cheyenne Territory, Oregon Trail, Santa Fe Trail, Overland Trail, Bozeman Trail all crossed Cheyenne territory. 1849 the California Gold Rush brought many travelers across these roads and the one thing that they brought with them were diseases. The Cheyenne had never experienced diseases before. In 1849 cholera devastated the Cheyenne population. Several of our uh, Bands were completely wiped out due to cholera these roads also affected the buffalo as they would not cross the road which in turn affected their migration patterns uh, which in turn affected the, the cheyenne people many of the travelers across the roads would shoot the buffalo for sport leaving the buffalo to waste also the white hunters would only take the robes Leaving the rest of the buffalo to waste. The U.S. government, along with the U.S. military, ordered the extermination of the buffalo from an estimated 60 million buffalo on the plains to less than a thousand at the turn of the century, the year 1900, greatly impacting the Cheyenne people and the Cheyenne way of life, Cheyenne culture. In 1859, gold was uh, discovered in Colorado. The Pikes Peak Gold Rush brought more people to Colorado. In the 1860s, gold was discovered in Montana, which increased the number of people along the Bozeman Trail. So the Cheyenne frequently were in contact with these travelers, which resulted in increased tensions due to fear, misunderstanding, increased conflicts, increased hostilities. So to protect the travelers, the the U.S. citizens, the U.S. government began to negotiate treaties with the various native nations, including the Cheyenne. The Fort Laramie Treaty of 1851, the 1867 Medicine Lodge Treaty are just some of the treaties that were signed by the Cheyenne and the U.S. government. Of course, many of the treaties were broken by the U.S., A lot of the treaties took land from the Cheyenne people.
1: What were some of the forms of resistance by members of the Cheyenne nation to fight against further loss of tribal lands and to protect their people?
2: The Cheyenne had a number of uh, warrior military societies uh the dog soldier society the crazy dog society bowstring society elkhorn scraper society uh kit fox society uh to name a few and these were established by sweet medicine a long time ago uh, it was the duty of the warrior societies to protect the people they were our military Uh, These warrior societies were also our police force, keeping order within the tribe. Uh, Sweet Medicine also established our tribal government, known as the Council of 44 Chiefs. The Cheyenne were a warrior tribe. They were constantly at warfare. They had successfully defended themselves from attacks by the Chippewa, Assiniboine. As they moved on to the plains, they pushed tribes out of that area, uh, particularly the Crow to the northwest and the Kiowa Comanche to the south. And the Cheyenne were constantly at war with uh, enemy tribes, uh, the Shoshone, the Ute tribe, uh, the Pawnee people. Now the... Cheyenne also had to turn their attention to the United States and their uh, westward expansion. Their illegal taking of Cheyenne lands, broken promises, broken treaties, extermination of the buffalo, killing of Cheyenne people through diseases, and an outright killing of our Cheyenne people at places like Sand Creek. In 1864, Sand Creek uh, is located in southeastern Colorado, and the Cheyenne and Arapaho were camped there under the leadership of uh, Chief Black Kettle. And the Colorado uh, governor, John Evans, had ordered uh, Colonel Shivington with a military force, uh, militia force, and he attacked uh, the Cheyenne and Arapaho people at Sand Creek, killing, massacring hundreds of uh, women and children there. Well This greatly angered the Cheyenne people, the rest of the Cheyenne people, and decisions were made to resist, to fight for our lands and to protect our way of life and to protect our Cheyenne people. The Cheyenne uh, resisted westward expansion by attacking the settlers and travelers. Uh, They shut down the city of Denver, uh, completely shut down all major roads, the Oregon Trail, Overland Trail, Santa Fe Trail. The Cheyenne also shut down all railroads um, and the building of railroads. They also derailed a train along the transcontinental railroad in Nebraska, and I believe the Cheyenne were the only tribe to do this. The Cheyenne actively fought the U.S. military whenever and wherever Uh, some of the major battles included uh, Summit Springs in Colorado, the Platte River Bridge in Wyoming, and the Cheyenne along with the Lakota and Arapaho soundly defeated uh, Captain Fetterman near Fort Phil Kearney along the Bozeman Trail in Wyoming. This led to the closure of the Bozeman Trail and also to the closure of the forts that were established along that trail. Uh, gold was discovered in the Black Hills. Again, a road was built into the Black Hills, um, and this led to other battles, uh, the most famous being the Battle of the Little Bighorn in 1876, where the Cheyenne, Lakota, and Arapaho uh, defeated General Custer and his men there. The Cheyennes continued to resist and fight. After many of the tribes had surrendered to the U.S. government in the 1870s, uh, including the Cheyenne, the northern band of Cheyennes were taken south to Indian territory, present-day Oklahoma. To be reunited with the southern cheyenne bands however the northern cheyenne bands did not like living there in indian territory many became sick right away uh, many went hungry due to not being fed enough rations uh, there were not enough medical supplies medical uh, help only one doctor for the entire tribe. The first year alone, over 100 Northern Cheyenne died down there in Indian Territory. So the Chiefs, Little Wolf and Chief Dollknife, made the decision to return home to Montana, to the North Country. So they left Indian Territory and fought their way back to Montana. In um, Nebraska, the northern bands split. Chief Dallknife took his band to, to the Red Cloud Agency. However, he was intercepted by the U.S. Army and taken to Fort Robinson in Nebraska. There, his people uh, were ordered to go back to Oklahoma. Um, Chief Dallknife refused, and they broke out of Fort Robinson in January, and many of his uh, people were killed there by the U.S. Army. Chief Little Wolf, with his band, uh, waited until the spring and headed for Montana. And around March, April of 1879, he made it to the Yellowstone River where he surrendered to the U.S. government.
1: The relationship between the federal government and Native American tribes has been a difficult one. Many treaties broken or never even ratified. The Bureau of Indian Affairs, or the BIA, is the federal department that is responsible for navigating the relationship between Native American tribal governments and the United States. You can learn more about the BIA by visiting BIA.gov. I would also recommend visiting Native American tribal websites to learn more from the perspective of the indigenous people of the United States. We are very grateful to Mr. Wallace Birchum for sharing those incredible stories with us today. Please take the time to learn about the histories and cultures of the indigenous people of the United States. History is incomplete without doing so.
0: Okay, thank you, Jean-Anne, and thank you, Mr. Birchum. And to our listeners, tune in and see what happens next. Thanks for listening to U.S. History Repeated. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parlor. Visit our website, ushistoryrepeated.com and subscribe to our podcast. There's always more to learn. Talk to you soon.